Welcome to Catch and Release, a podcast project undertaken by more than 100 English 12 students from Sir Winston Churchill Secondary in Vancouver, BC. In these episodes, you'll be hearing about their memories, big moments from their lives, their regrets, and their dealings with mental health. We hope that after catching these stories, you find a way to release what's holding you back. Thank you for listening. Hello. I'm Simone, and today's episode is called Let Me Speak, which focuses on racism and its correlation to mental health. Racism is everywhere. Go back to where you're from. I'm in Canada. I don't live in a terrorist country. Social media has become a great place to call out racists and recognize acts of racism. All you foreigners come over and you speak your Chinese. Yet, it can also be quite subtle in our daily lives. I don't know if I'm going to be feeling safe walking by myself wearing my headscarf. The undeniable level of privilege I've experienced and benefited from my entire life has always clouded my understanding of those who lead contrasting lives. I am a white, able-bodied, cisgendered, middle-class woman growing up in a country rich with opportunity. Having lived through challenging life events as well as having my own personal battles with mental health, I became quickly aware of all the resources available for me and the numerous amounts of people that understood my struggle. I have two fantastic parents that care, worry, and wish for me to be as healthy as possible. They have constantly been there for me when I require any type of support, and as have my friends. I have rarely felt that my experience or struggle to make me feel invalid. But as I continue to grow and learn about the experiences alternate to mine, mostly that that concern racial differences, I question how my privileges have aided in the recovery and the overall level of severity of my mental health issues. Living in one of the most diverse cities in the world, I believe that many people still fail to acknowledge the impact of racism in our society. In efforts to gain a better understanding of these issues and to give a platform to people of color to share their stories, I reached out to some of my friends who were willing and comfortable to speak on the topic of the correlation of race and mental health. This first interview is with one of my close friends, and for personal reasons, we'll call her Laura. When people ask me, who I am or what I am. I say I'm Kurdish and I say I'm white. Do you feel like fully accepted from either side? I don't feel accepted on either side. I don't fully know my Kurdish side, so I've never met my family on that side. Mm-hmm. Just my dad and my stepmom who are from Kurdistan. My mom's side who's from Canada is a settler, so like mm-hmm. goes way back from Europe. I'm definitely the darkest person on that side, but they accept me, but definitely they've probably said things about my dad because it's a weird relationship between them. It's really different. Like they just they don't treat me different, but they definitely don't understand. Growing up, I never wanted to be different. I've always wanted a white dad. I hated people asking me like where I was from because I was like, what's the matter? Like I'm from Canada. My dad didn't teach me the language. He didn't teach me anything about it. But also I had a weird relationship with my mom and dad who are split. So it was difficult living with my mom who was the white side of me. Like I saw my dad once in a while, but 
he never fully taught me anything about mm-hmm. that side of me. I don't know my culture. I do now because my stepmom, who's from Kurdistan, she definitely brought that side into my life. And so mm-hmm. her being one of my best friends really helped me. But mm-hmm. without her, I would not have known. So it was hard for me to accept that I was something that I knew nothing about. Do you think it's hard when... You identify more being white, mm-hmm. but everybody else sees yeah. you as brown. Yeah. People saw my mom, and then they're like, okay, so you're white. But they would look at me, and they're like, but you're not white. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you would just get questioned all the time. Is that your real mom? Have you ever experienced any very, like, memorable or traumatic experiences with racism? Um, it was definitely more on my brother's story. In his side of it after this happened to him it kind of opened my eyes I definitely don't get that I understand the privilege that I have of being super light-skinned and having a white name and not being as authentically ethnic as mm-hmm. some people are and some people look so I definitely got it better than a lot of people so i can see my privilege in that sense i didn't really exactly have to fear for my life just because of who i was Mm -hmm. but that wasn't all the time i would definitely in some situations where i do get scared because of my nationality but it's not an everyday occurrence yeah so i'm so thankful for that but this one time where it actually hit me it was the first time anyone ever called my family a terrorist And I never fully talked about this with my family because, you know, my mom can't understand or relate to me in any way. So I never got to talk about it. And my brother, he was really bullied his whole life for it. It was more of him who got the bad end of the stick than me. His name is Barry. Brown. Yeah. This teacher at one of his high schools, a teacher called him a terrorist because he knew about his culture. So... So it really hurt me in a sense. Wait, wait, what do you mean? So what happened was he was doing a project and he wanted to do a project on the Middle East. And he knew a lot about the war that goes on there and the fighters and the army. And he know the history because he loves, in general, one, he loves the history. And two, he was always very interested in the army, like Canadian army, all of it. And he loved history. So he decided instead of everyone in his class got a country or a place in the world um, to do a project on and they had to go down into the history of the wars if there were very significant wars there and so he chose the Middle East and my brother loves that stuff so he loves history and so he chose the Middle East because he's like well one my dad's from there he knows more about it than I do and he was more comfortable doing his project on it So he asked his teacher, and it was a substitute teacher, he asked him to switch the part of the world for the Middle East, and then for some reason that kind of triggered the teacher, saying that he was a part of ISIS um, and was a terrorist for knowing about his culture. So then the whole, like, there was a whole big thing. My mom, of course, being pissed off, like went to the school board we all talked about it it was it was insane and I never actually understood like why a teacher like it was the first time I saw my brother cry in a long time like he's this really tall big guy like six feet like he's huge and I was like what like how did 
a substitute teacher make this man cry? Like, who would make my older brother cry? And I didn't know what happened until you told me. And I didn't realize, like, how affected he was by the words that someone could say about his own culture. A white person talking down to you and a white person not validating who you are is probably one of the worst things I've, like, seen, I've ever experienced. How do you think that that affects your mental health and your like perception of yourself your perception of your family growing up I went through like a lot of other family stuff and moving out really young and it was just very rough for me at the time mm-hmm. it's hard and, to pinpoint what was yeah. triggered by racism, racism and what was triggered by other yeah. so things going on it felt as though like that was just a different I kind of hid that because that was the easiest to hide mm-hmm. because I didn't know a lot about it I didn't know Really, I didn't accept that part of myself yet because Mm -hmm. I I wasn't right in the mind to get there. And Mm -hmm. so my mental health, I definitely had bad anxiety and I was depressed and definitely in high school. Mm -hmm. But that also plays into who I was and not exactly accepting that part of myself from just having a happier and positive mindset definitely helps for having positive thinking and then growing self-love from that. Because once you see yourself in a positive light, then you can grow more from that than yeah. seeing yourself negatively. So once you start to love yourself and accept every piece of yourself, then you can truly kind of grow from that and learn about uh-huh. yourself and understand more about yourself. My younger self, I definitely took what I can now from that and I can use it to grow and just achieve more things uh-huh. for myself. Yeah. Now I can learn about my culture in a place where I want to learn about it and I love it. I'm ready to thrive within it. How does not having others accept your identity affect someone? How does not accepting yourself affect you? Hearing her story one of a girl who struggled to accept her biracial identity. One can see how this misunderstanding and miseducation of your identity and your cultural background can affect the way in which you see yourself from day to day. This next interview was with a close friend of mine named Geraldine. Geraldine is somebody who has been acting all of her life, and I was very curious to see how her racial identity impacted her acting as somebody who also acts and has never dealt with any sort of misrepresentation or a lack of representation of people who look like me. I wondered how this could affect her mental health and her self-esteem. Geraldine Chu. So I come from a Filipino descent and also a Chinese descent. So my dad's half Chinese, that makes me a quarter, and my mom is half Polynesian, which makes me a quarter Polynesian as well. Do you feel that you are connected to your cultural identity? Um, honestly, I'm all, I only really feel connected to my Filipino identity just because I haven't met my Chinese side as my grandfather and my grandma passed away from my Chinese side. And my Polynesian side isn't quite as prominent. 
When was the first time that you started to understand your racial or cultural identity? Honestly, I think it was when I was a toddler just because we had a lot of parties as Filipinos and like my first birthday was a big deal as Filipinos and looking back on the pictures and stuff, it was obvious that the culture was there with just like many of my family being present and the language being presented in front of me. Also just like traditions being taught um, constantly throughout my childhood. Mm -hmm. Do you ever feel like uh, you have any sort of like memorable or like sort of traumatizing experiences with racism that you have faced personally? I went to a private school which was very white oriented and so I was one of the kind of only ethnic people available other than like a few others. So the first memory I've had was like having a weird lunch, like a cultured lunch or like a Filipino, you know, traditional lunch or food. And like a lot of people would have sandwiches and I'd be like, oh, what's that smell? What is that? And stuff. And I'd always feel like I wanted sandwiches instead and like kind of remove my culture in that sense by food just because I wanted to feel normal and kind of just have a sandwich instead of having like all these food my mom and dad have grown up to make and like has passed on to me. How do you think that that those experiences have like led into your life now? Like how do, do you think they have any effect on you now or how you see yourself and how you see your identity? I think kind of I've been told I'm really whitewashed and kind of is weird because at home my parents are very prominent to their culture and very like likes presenting our culture to us and where we came from but at school and like I have a lot of friends as well that are just for me to more of the Canadian aspect I have noticed that it kind of drifts me away from my culture. You also act and you also are in the film industry. Do you think that in that area you've experienced types of racism? When I started in Asians weren't really appreciate in the film industry, especially being so young. I was started when I was like 10. I didn't really understand why, you know, this girl would get more roles and like why a friend that started at the same time as me would be like booking so much. And it was when like I would start auditioning for family commercials. And I remember specifically one time I came into the audition room and I was the only ethnic person there. And I knew I wasn't gonna get the role because everyone there was white, obviously. I don't look like a family members of theirs. And I remember coming home to my mom and wanting to quit acting just because I knew it wasn't a realistic thing for me and my like ethnicity. But obviously that changed and like obviously it's better now. Like the industry is like understanding more cultures, but obviously it was really hard for a twelve year old to yeah. understand that aspect and it was like really downgraded and made me kinda wanna drift away from my culture even more and my ethnicity even more. I think that that has had any like effect on your mental health like maybe self-esteem or just how you see yourself in general I think it definitely I mean obviously understanding yourself as an adolescent is hard as it is and as someone who grows up in this Canadian kind of society and you know grows up in an industry that is very white oriented it was hard for me to understand why that was and it kind of made me feel as if I was not meant to do something that I loved and not meant to do something that 
you know, I really aspired to do in life. And it was hard to make me realize what I wanted to do and what path I was taking because I felt like I wasn't good at anything at the point. Acting was the only thing that, you know, everyone had sports and everything, but acting was the only thing that I really was kind of good at. Mm -hmm. And obviously, like, without acting, I was really lost. So it really made me upset to think that with my ethnicity, like, it just is a big factor into everything. Yeah. Do you think people see your ethnicity before they see you when it comes to the film industry? I definitely have gotten auditions that are specified for Asian roles and, you know, are stereotypical, just like, oh, glasses, smart girl, like girl next, not girl next door, but like smart, like just the friend, you know, the token girl in the group. Hearing my friend Geraldine's story, I was really able to get a better sense of the need for more representation of people of color within our film industry. Made me think back to movies in this past year, and I feel like we're really beginning to finally take some steps in the successes of Black Panther and Crazy Rich Asians. My final interview was quite eye-opening. All of these interviews have been extremely educational for someone like me, who has never experienced anything that these people have talked about. This last interview, however, describes a quite traumatic experience that happened to a 14-year-old girl that one should never have to experience. My name is Tara, and I'm 17 now. What is your uh, cultural and like racial identity? Um, I'm like Punjabi, and I'm Sikh, and I, my parents come from India. So, yeah. How, do you feel like a connection to your cultural identity? Yeah, because I grew up like surrounded by it, and mm-hmm. like a lot of the people I grew up with like were also Indian. Mm-hmm. So, how do you consider like the idealization of like light skin in Indian culture like what is that like for you oh it's like a big thing especially when you live in India but even here like I grew up with a really traditional mother right and she used to like skin bleach and she had a lot of problems and skin problems because of skin bleaching and she wanted to get me on it so I used to do it but then like I started to get scabs everywhere and it was just really bad and then I used to like do frequent visits to the hospital too because my skin would like blister and stuff so it's like a really big part of my life like Mm -hmm. learning about colorism especially in India even like the justice system there is really corrupt. Racism is defined as the prejudice, discrimination, or antagonization directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is superior. Specifically, it is directed to people who are not white. But colorism is a prejudice or discrimination against individuals with a dark skin tone, typically among people of the same ethnic or racial group. This interview very much ties into racism and experiences with colorism. I feel like I went to a school where I was like one of the only white kids. Yeah. 
and there was such a clear difference on how they treated everybody else versus yeah. how they treated me. Like, I was very, like, everything I said was always right. Yeah. And, like, it was just a different mentality, and my friends always kept me in check because they were like, they treat you like that because you're white. Like, yeah. it was a very big thing that I was aware of, mm-hmm. and it's it's weird and kind of concerning how obvious it was yeah. after you start looking for it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you, like, learn a new word, and then you all of a sudden start to hear that word yeah. a lot, and you understand what it means, it was kind of like that. Yeah. It's like when I started to look for it and be like, do they treat me differently? And then I actually saw that, like, yeah, they yeah. did. So, that was very, that was very strange. Yeah. It was... It was hard to, like, grasp it, especially at a young age, but then you get used to it, I guess. Uh-huh. Did that, like, what kind of emotional reaction would you have to I that? guess I was just really, like, frustrated because I'd try equally as hard or, like, I'd do the same thing as another kid did, but then I wouldn't do as good or, like, I'd get treated differently because of it. And it didn't make sense to me until, like, like my dad sat down and talked to me and was like, it's different when you're colored or, like... You go to school with other people who aren't the same. They get treated differently. What do you think is, like, the most... And I'm... Like, I don't mean to, like, trigger you in any way. So if you're ever uncomfortable with anything, talking about anything, just let me know. Sure. Um, What do you think is, like, the most memorable or, like, traumatizing experience with racism you had? Like, even as a Uh, child or, like, now? I think it was, like... There's been a lot of times where, like, it's just been weird interactions with strangers, but I think, like, the scariest was someone, I was, I think I was, like, 14, and then I was downtown, it was, like, early in the morning, I think it was, like, 8 a.m., and I was meeting my sister for something, and so I was just walking, and then someone spit on me and called me, like, the effing N-word. Oh, my God. No, that's not even correct, but anyways. Um... (laughs) I was, like, I didn't know what to say, so I just, like, walked away, but then they kept following me. What? And then, like, they were, like, oh, go back to your country and stuff, and I felt like saying, but I was born here, but I know, like, my parents always tell me not to interact, so I just, like, minded my own business, and I kept walking, and then he, like, kicked me, so then I just walked into, like, an apartment building, and I was just, like, there's this guy following me, and he's doing, like, some really weird stuff, so, like, could he help? So they were like, yeah, we'll just, like, give you a key and you could act like you live here. Like, there's no one in that apartment, so just, like, walk into the room. So then he followed me, like, up to my room. And then I just, like, shut the door and I saw, like, the shadows of the feet. Under the door? Yeah, and then they were there for, like, ten minutes and then he finally left. And I was just, like, I was, like, 14 isn't, like, young, but it's not old either. It's young, though, like. So it was, like. I was just really scared, and I was alone, too, and at that phone, at that time, I didn't have a phone, so uh-huh. I was just, like, alone in the room, and then I just, like, had the worst breakdown, but that's just because, like, I've experienced stuff like that before, but not, like, as bad as that, like, to follow me. Wow. Like, so. like, afterwards, how do you, like, come back from that and, like, feel safe? Like, do you, th- would you consider mm. yourself, like, feeling safe in public spaces? I mean, most of the times, yeah, because, like... Vancouver is, like, a kind of diverse area, so I feel alright, but, like, sometimes, like, there's an odd stare that makes you uncomfortable, or, like, once I, like, went to a party, and, like, it was all white people, and then there's this, like, there's one brown guy, right, Uh and he's talking to me, and then everyone was making jokes, like, oh, of course, like, the two brown people, like, got together, but, like, that's alright, like, I get it, but it's just weird, like, I, 
it felt like more apparent to me after that that like your color makes a difference yeah so yeah holy yeah i find that people it's like the first thing that people see like seeing at like a party with all white kids yeah. and seeing the two brown people hanging yeah. out oh they're hanging out because they're brown yeah, like but it's like for white people that's just not a thing it's, it's frustrating yeah. because i feel as though white people are given more complex narratives yeah and in film and tv like just in life we yeah. our whiteness isn't what defines us mm-hmm. whereas a lot of white people look at people of color and that's their yeah. defining characteristic like oh my black friend yeah like, oh like so and so is black and like yeah. they do this or just the assumptions that someone is going to be a certain way because they are black people don't necessarily do that yeah. to white people and it's it's a really weird thing to be aware of yeah and to understand that like even for me understanding that recognizing my privilege it goes so deep to being like I have this opportunity I can speak this way I can talk about these things and people don't get mad at me don't attack me on certain things because I am white yeah and I find that's just it's so disturbing yeah like oh and a lot of white people aren't aware they just think like oh I earned this (laughs) like I I made this happen for myself and like yes there are definitely things that like Mm -hmm. everyone has made happen for yourself but I read this thing talking about how people of color have to work ten times harder to meet at where the where white people start off. Yeah. Like, just the expectation is so different. Do you think, like, that, like, colorism and having your mom kind of push that onto you, like, how has that affected your mental health? I think it affected, like, the way I view myself. Like, I never was happy, even when I got, like, lighter... Like, I was still not happy with myself because I think, like, growing up, I just had a really unhealthy environment. Like, when you look at yourself, like, you should be lighter, you should be thinner, or, like, especially in Indian beauty, you should have, like, a thin nose and, like, thin eyebrows and, like, small lips, but it's, like... Like, very European beauty standards, yeah. But it's, like, if you're not like that, something's wrong with you, and especially, like, my aunt, she always used to comment on, like, oh, did your, like, nose get bigger? Like, oh, did your oh skin God. get darker? And like, it was, like, just poking fun yeah. things that, like, you were And it was, like, with. okay, but, like, your parents, like, your grandparents gave birth to my parents where yeah. I got these genes from, and then yeah. you just, like, completely, like, shit on them. Like, yeah. I don't understand, like, what you want. Wow. But it's, it just affected, like, the way I view myself, and I think it really affected, like, I've had a lot of insecurity issues and I feel like it has taken part of that like big time you're not gonna be white but you like aspire to be white Mm -hmm. and a big thing is like how that plays into like capitalism is that you're not happy with yourself and like racism really and colorism really help push that it's like you're not light enough like here you go that's just ridiculous yeah I know it's but it's just, like, a part, like, my mom and my dad, like, they always talk about, like, that's just a part of being Indian, or that's just a part of, like, our culture, like, you have to, like, fit yourself into a form that you don't fit into, like, you have to kind of change yourself, but it doesn't make sense, because I'm, like, I always saw my mom as, like, the, like, more emotional parent, but, Uh like, with these things, like, self-image, and, like, you have to look lighter, you have to look, like, 
like a swollen nose and like stuff like that. It's like she doesn't, she's like immune to that, but I guess that's the way that she grew up too. Are your parents immigrants? Like, mm-hmm. are they, okay. Do you think that you growing up in Canada has kind of changed your outlook on that? Like, that you, it's not so deeply, like, embedded in you that you can recognize that it's wrong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because, like, I'd, I had, like, some other friends that weren't Indian. Uh-huh. And, like, I'd talk to them and I'd be like, no, like, that's not how it works. Or, like, no, our parents don't say anything like that. Like, uh-huh. it's just weird, like, that you have to accept that your parents is, are different and that your, yeah. like, tradition is, like, yeah. it's a little bit different than others. Yeah, So it's, definitely. like, hard. Do you think that when your parents say, like, um, that it's a part of your culture that that's an excuse for it? I think so, because, like, I've met other Indian people who are healthy and, like, who are, like, proud of their dark skin and, yeah. like, proud of their, like, nose, like, yeah. but it's, like, I have never felt that because my parents always made me believe that, like, that's wrong. Wow. So, I guess it's just, like, hard to accept it. Oh, of course. Wow. Yeah. Do you think that you've come to, like... Do you think that accepting your skin and, like, all of these things that you're talking about, that the Indian beauty standards kind of go against is a journey that... do you Like, where do you see yourself on that journey? Like, do you think that it's something that you're trying to work towards? Like, fully accepting your like everything about yourself I think I'm working on it like I always used to get foundation like lighter or like I'd avoid like bronzers and stuff because that just darkens your skin tone and it's like I'm trying to get more used to the color of my skin even though it's still different than it originally was because of skin bleaching and like even as like a toddler my mom used to do it and it was just like something that I've never really gotten used to Because I guess when your skin's so much lighter as a child, like, I didn't know that my mom was putting, like, lightning creams until, like, I went to, like, the hospital a couple times because my skin would flare up. And it's, like, now I have really sensitive skin on my face, and I think that takes part in it. And it's really hard to get, like, products and stuff, but I think it's just I have to work on it, and I've been trying, but sometimes it's really hard, especially because I have really light friends. So then sometimes, like, we'll be getting ready together, or, like, they'll be like, oh, like, you should try this piece of makeup, right? And then I put it on, either it doesn't show up, or it's lighter than my skin tone, and it's just, like, it's really hard to, Uh like, I'm not even that dark, but it's, like, what I grew up in, and the way my parents, like, made me perceive myself, Mm -hmm. I guess it's just hard to, like, accept it. So, I don't think I'm that dark. Like, I'm not, but... The way I see myself, I could be a lot lighter, and Mm -hmm. it's still bad that I think that. So I'm trying to work on, like, liking myself a bit more. Like, trying to wear less makeup to cover, like, the brown. Yeah. (laughs) So it's just just a struggle that I've been dealing with since, like, a young age. Yeah. Well, it seems like it was definitely pushed upon you. Like, it wasn't something that you necessarily, like, adopted for yourself, but it was something that your family did. Yeah. As somebody who is overwhelmingly represented in all forms of media and art, I wonder what it is like if people of color had that opportunity, had an opportunity to see themselves in others as well as feel more connected 
to media and arts and just the people around them. Do you think that growing up in or living in Vancouver where there are a lot of white people and then there are also a lot of very light Asian people, like, usually, like, I... I'm, like, totally just generalizing here, but, like, usually, like, Chinese people, Korean people, Mm -hmm. Japanese people, very light. Like, a lot of people in this city are very light. Do you think that if you had grown up in a community that had more darker, like, darker tone, like, darker-skinned people, that it would be easier to accept and, like, go on that journey with yourself? Yeah, I think so. Because, like, even in the... Like, our school, even just out of brown girls, like, are not many are dark. Like, some yeah. of them are lighter. But it's, like, sometimes you, like, walk into a room and, like, I when I'm bored, like, I just try to notice things. And, like, I notice that I'm the darkest in a room sometimes. Wow. And even, like, taking pictures with friends, sometimes I just look black <laughs> because, like... We took a picture on the beach, and the sun was setting, and I had a pink bikini, and all you could see was the bikini. Like, you couldn't see me, but then you saw my white friend beside me. I feel like I'm learning so much about something that just has never, and will never affect me. Yeah. I'm also, like, it's it's a weird, and movies are almost always about white people struggling with depression, and, like, it's not validated for people of color, mm-hmm. and it's, it, again, it goes back to expectations. Mm-hmm. It's very weird. Even in just, like, the culture alone, like, it, like, because I struggle with depression and stuff, and then my dad has this mentality of, like, oh, depression isn't real, like, just, like, pull your socks oh. up and get it together, because, like, they grew up in hard times, yeah. and I guess when they talk about their emotions, their parents would just, like, shut it down, like, oh, yeah. you're just being a baby, like, we grew up in harder times, so it's, like... It's different, I think, from culture to culture, mm-hmm. and, like, it just, it takes a toll on you after a while, especially when you can't even be open, like, with your own mom or dad about mm-hmm. it, and I remember my dad's, like, father passed away, and he was crying, and that's the first time I ever saw him cry, and, like, he wiped his tears, like, right away when he saw me in the room, but it's, like, your dad just died, like, I don't, mm-hmm. like, it's okay if you shed a tear or two, like, I don't know why you feel. It's okay to not be okay. Yeah. And that's a big thing, is that you don't want to be openly vulnerable yeah. with other people, especially men, because it is weak, and they show that, like, mm-hmm. it is weak. Like, yeah. it's It's very interesting that mm-hmm. we as a society have pushed that onto boys. Like, even just, like, oh, like, man up. Like, from a very, yeah. like, very young age, parents are just rougher with their boys they're more hard on them they're like there's a lot more physical uh attention and play with Mm -hmm. them whereas girls it's like you're just a lot more calm and like you just want to be like this and like that and how boys and girls are raised also especially when you want to grow up and you start to understand that maybe you're not a boy like everyone's been telling you that is also really hard to come out yeah. of being told how to be a boy, and you're like, but I don't, I don't, I don't either want to be this kind of boy, yeah. or I just am not a boy. Like, yeah. it makes it very challenging for people to grow up and lead authentic lives. Yeah, of course. Oof. Yeah, it it's interesting the intersections mm-hmm. of everything, like how everything kind of overlaps. Yeah, 
Yeah, and how everything will play into each other, like sexism and racism mm-hmm. and mental health. Like they all go, they all they, like, come like hand stack in hand. Up. Yeah. yeah, and then at what point do people start to break because all of these things are stacking up on yeah. top of them? So, yeah. This experience and the very eye-opening conversations I have had have really made me realize the real privilege white people hold when it comes to mental health issues a branch of privilege I admittedly was very unaware of previous to this experience people of color are disproportionately represented in many aspects of the mental health care system We as a society need to give more platforms and spaces to people of color to share their experiences. And we must begin to understand mental health as it relates to racism. Racism still runs rampant throughout the world. Voices need to be heard and the pain must be validated. Only then can we begin to change our society for the better. Privilege needs to be used to help those who do not benefit from it. I urge listeners, very specifically people who are white, to accept and acknowledge your privilege. I very much see many people not being able to understand how their privilege has enhance their life that they may not be in certain situations without it that is a very key step in our journey towards bringing people up towards changing a system that is constantly working against people we all need to do better but first We need to acknowledge that there's an issue. Thank you to CBC, Reaper, and iMovie for making this podcast possible.